Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bagman Boardcast. I am hosting this episode for the first time, and my name is Paul, and of course I'm joined by... John? I'm Chris. Chris is feeling a little bit under the weather, but that's not going to stop us from coming at you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bring you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books we are looking forward to coming out January 13, 2020. And 21. When did I did I lose a year, guys? What happened? Uh, and then that's gonna we're gonna follow that up with our rotating topic, and this is uh, our look forward into twenty twenty one. We're gonna look about movies or TV shows we're looking forward to, uh, comic books that we're hoping are gonna come out or be good, and characters that we might think are gonna have a breakout and new beer resolution. I I look forward to John forgetting to say twenty twenty one now. <laughs> <laughs> He just it, is requesting uh, to talk to a manager manager about getting a refund on 2021 already. He's like, this was supposed to be a new year, and it feels a lot like just a a refurbished 2020. I've, I've had it for seven days, and it's already broken. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, I'm just going to say it. If you still support Trump, stop listening. I don't care. Just, you suck. I don't care. <laughs> they, they suck. They suck hard. They're sore losers. You ransack the Capitol building, and you suck. And that's why I'm drinking from Resurgence Brewery Keys to the Cuff New England IPA. Uh, this is a new beer that just came out from them, and we're looking at an ABV of 6.5. This is very good, very drinkable um but it's like it's a little i'd say it's a little ghosty because i've finished half of this beer and i couldn't tell you what it tastes like like i take a sip i like just take a sip i kept talking to paul while we were waiting for chris to jump on and then i kept looking over like wow i drank a lot of that beer but i couldn't tell you what it tastes like but every sip that I have since then, I kind of focus on it. And I'm like, yeah, that's really good. And then it's slightly forgettable, which is good. It's not going to blow your palate out. It's not going to be super dry hopped or crazy. But it's slightly forgettable. But it's a decent, and it's only twelve ninety nine for a four-pack, tall boys. So I think it's good. It wouldn't be the first thing i grab but i wouldn't hate it if i did have it does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense i'm drinking something that's very good and i'm, I'm happy you thought i'm drinking it and i am happy i have three more this is the uh thin man and other half brewing collab spaghetti parm space station I'm looking all over on this thing trying to figure out why they called it that uh, there's no reason because other half beers a lot of times they'll be called like spaghetti parm or they'll be like rigatoni or broccoli, potato, um, things like that. And then Space Station has been in the title of a couple of Thin Man beers. So they kind of take the two things that they're kind of known, each one's kind of known for. Does that? 
Well, it's an Indian Pale Ale, and it's at 7.7%. But it's oh, yeah. I, oh, I 100% agree. It's stupid. <laughs> but it's absolutely it's absolutely but delicious. It, a, it, it, it is delicious. This is like what you... If you're picking up one of those like kind of juice-bomby double IP uh, uh, Indian Pale Ales, uh, it's not a double, uh, that it's just easy drinking... It slides down e- uh, easy as you know. Uh, Nero fiddles on his, on, you know, on his uh, violin. And this is great beer for that. Like, this is just uh, really easy drinking. Uh, nice juicy flavor. No real bitter finish. Um, yeah, I've, I'm like three fifths through it or four fifths through it. There we go. That can't be reduced, right? Four fifths. Yep, still not divisible. So that's the correct amount. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I, I enjoy it quite a bit. All right, so like Paul said up at the front of the show, I've been feeling a little bit under the weather. I'm fine. It's just I have like a chest cold, so I've been like coughing and hacking, and it's such a forceful cough that then I start gagging because it's just like knocking everything out of me. So I'm trying to take it a little bit lighter. Um, so today I'm going to be drinking a few sour beers just because they're lower ABV. Um, and they're full of fruits and crazy. vitamins, so they're good for you. Yeah, it makes me strong. <laughs> Um, but I'm starting off with a new one, and I know I said I was going to be drinking some of those 42 Norths that you sent me, Paul, but the other day I went to my beer store and I actually picked up a new four-pack from Hidden Springs Aleworks in Tampa, Florida, and this is their Electric mm. Pegasus, and this is a Rainbow Sherbert Berliner Weiss, and the flavors they have listed for it online are Blood Orange, Raspberry, and Lime, uh, and then again, brewed with milk sugar, and yeah, it definitely has all those notes. It's a good amount of tart to it, but... It just kind of makes you pucker a little bit on the sides. I would have liked like a little bit more of like that milk sugar and like a vanilla to give it some more like creaminess on top of that nice fruit tart. But um, I think the four pack of this was like sixteen ninety nine, and I think this is going to be something I really enjoy. Just have those other three cans from hanging out, playing games, reading comics, or something. Because I think this is a great like warm day porch beer. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it's starting to get warm here again. Uh, it's getting to like the 70s again. So, yes. Hey, it was. We made it. It was a nice <coughs> high to mid 30s yesterday. And it was pretty nice in Buffalo. It was pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, but it's been so it has gloomy. been gloomy. Like, it's, but it's I, been. There's been I went to the doctor's like, appointment and I had a flannel shirt on and I put a vest on and I was like, hey, this is, this, this is working. I'm not overly hot. Yeah, that's comfy. Yeah, you were working it. Ooh, <laughs> that's a burn on the weather. Not thank you. It's only because I compliment I complimented <laughs> pretty hard before we started recording. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Now I feel indebted. Uh, go ahead, Paul. <laughs> so uh, I was just going to try to bring it to the news garden. Yeah, you you, you have the one thing. Chris shared it with you. The one thing. Uh, this week we saw the release of Star Wars The High Republic with both it, the comic book re- being released and also The Light of the Jedi, the uh, novel from Random House uh, coming out, written by Charles Soule, also known for writing, you know, the comic books for Star Wars uh, over at Marvel. And also uh, we had the release of the Marvel comic, what is it called? Just Star Wars The, New, the High Republic. Uh, 2021, one of six. <laughs> uh, being written by Calvin Scott and art by Irino 
Uh, and it's Ito. Sorry. Covered by Phil Noto, though. Nice. None of the art. Well, there's like 30 covers for it, obviously, though. <laughs> right. Uh, and later on, this at the end of the month, there's going to be another book released. And then, you know, this is going to be a high publishing, high volume worth of publishing uh, initiative that uh, Marvel Comics, Random House, and Disney are doing all together to push this new era of Star Wars. Yeah, the other day, actually, on their YouTube channel, um, Star Wars released basically it was like an hour-long panel where they had all the different writers from across like the publishing platform. So comics, the novels, the young adult novels, like the magazines, everything that's going to be supporting the New Republic kind of come together to talk about what they were doing. Uh, they released a little bit of like a teaser trailer, just kind of laying out what the New Republic was going to be. And I watched about half of it. Uh, and I'm excited for everything coming out of this. I mean, I won't be able to keep up with everything, but I'm definitely going to be reading the comic. You'll hear us talk about that for our January look back at the end of this month when we get around to doing that. But I'm also intrigued by the novels, too. I don't know if I'm going to have the time to get into them right now, but it's definitely something that I'm going to want to have on my reading list that, you know, when I have some time off and I can just sit around on my porch with, you know, a couple electric Pegasuses, electric Pegasi? I think it's I think it's just Pegasus, Pegasus, yeah, Pegasus right? Pegasus. Isn't it even a group of they'd say, Oh, look at all those Pegasus? Well, I think it was one I think it was one Pegasus and there there's another word for the type of creature. Like a Pegasus is a It's a Pegasus a rectangle. But a rectangle isn't a square. Hmm. I know what you're getting at, but I think that Yeah. Uh, but I hear Um I know. Words book was friends. <laughs> huh? Huh? That, I mean, that that could be something we do. I'm I'm not uh, opposed I to it. I did already buy it uh, on the Kindle version because it's only uh, like, which one? Because there's two like actual the, like the only adult one that's novels. Out currently is uh, the Light of the Jedi. Okay. Later on, there will be the adult novel called Into the Dark, which is uh, coming out on February second. There are kids' novels, uh, A Test of Courage, which is available right now, as you're listening to it, and then uh, also The Great Jedi Rescue, which are more of the uh, younger reader. But something you told us before we started recording is that they're actually going to be doing like little mini-bites online where they'll be talking about what's been going on, so maybe for the fans like me who want to know but aren't going to be picking up like that young adult fiction... I can still keep up with that bigger story because one of the things that they really did discuss and hit on is yes, this all takes place in the same like canon of stories. Like every like thing that they're putting out is another piece of the story, but you won't need to read all of it. But if you want like, to be that completionist, like it all does add up. And, uh, and also, uh, Pegasus is only one. There was only ever one Pegasus. It sprung from the blood of the Gorgon, mm. Medusa. And, uh, yeah. And well, that's a lie, because I have three more of these in my refrigerator, <laughs> so. No, you have a Pegasus. I have a four-pack so, yeah. of Pegasus. So, yeah. multiples. Uh, and I, th- I think... <coughs> Well, it would be Greek. Okay, so, okay. 
here it is. In the Greek, it would be pegapod. Would I don't want a pegapod, though. Well, a group sounds pegapod, sounds like something so dirty you do to a podcast. Oh, Paul, your new spinoff, Pegapod. Pegapod. <laughs> it's where I review other podcasts. It's oh, I thought it was. <laughs> hey, where do you peg <laughs> in these slots? I, I was going to say, I think it would be another. Or the lowest peg. I think it would be another podcast. I'm going to the lowest peg. Uh. So that's going to take us over to... Okay, we didn't yeah. have anything else. That's, that's uh, sad. Yeah, because <clears throat> the news sucks this week. We're uh, and that'll take us over to the list comic books that we're looking forward to coming out January 13th, 2021. Uh, and uh, Chris, why don't we get you out of the way so you can rest that voice? Or do you want to rest it? Because you just did some talking. <laughs> No, I can talk about this quick because I'm looking forward to a number one coming out from DC Comics, and this is part of their future state line. This is actually going to be Robin Eternal, uh, part one, written by Megan Fitzmartin, uh, art by Eddie Barrows. We talked about it a little bit last week with our look back about everything that happened with the uh, the 5G line from DC Comics and how it kind of got pseudo-shuttered, turned into... Future state where it's taking different looks at DC Universe, some of them taking place in the future. This one definitely seems to be a little bit more in like the now, the DC Universe, or the near future, because it does star Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown, uh, who are going to be, uh, and I quote, a fist flying, skydiving, robot smashing, fascist punching adventure that you cannot miss. Um, I've never read anything from Megan Fitzmartin. They credit her as being a writer for Supernatural, so I don't know if they mean the actual TV show that's wrapped the up. Comic book or series, like some of the Supernatural like spinoffs. But yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of Tim Drake and then some uh, Stephanie Brown. So thumbs up. Uh, we just got my son a bunch of little Batman figures, and I am forcing him to continue to play with uh, the Tim Drake Red Robin that came in it. So Tim Drake's always doing stuff. I got like a 9,000 Batman in this set, but I'm forcing him to play. Can you, you need to tell him that that's Uncle Chris's <laughs> favorite and he has to respect that Tim Drake. Well, does, does he have it? I don't have a Nightwing. I will solve that because at the top set I'm working at currently, uh, they sell those Imaginex, Imaginex for Fisher Price and there's a Nightwing there and I'm like, oh, I should pick this yes. up. And then, like, I'm like, oh, he no. just got this whole set. There isn't a Nightwing. Nightwing. I have, like, 9,000 Batmans. I have okay. three Mr. Freezes, which I'm pretty happy about. Each one is is different. Yeah. Dude, he, you have a Mecha. <laughs> yeah, the Mecha Freeze is pretty awesome. cool. You can you can abbreviate that, abbreviate that by saying you have uh, Mr. Ooh. Freezes. If you really wanted to. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Paul, uh, are you looking forward to a Batman book? <laughs> Uh, Are you I'm looking forward to a Batman book? Superman. I am, so I'm going to talk about it because we were just talking about Batman. Uh, and I'm going to pick up uh, Dark Detective, Chapter 1, Grifters. Uh, this takes place in the future where the world thought uh, Bruce Wayne is dead. 
they were wrong. Uh, when a sinister paramilitary organization uh, seizes control of Gotham, the original Batman uh, went to put him down. But even the Dark Knight couldn't predict how far this evil force will go. So it sounds like he brings in Grifter to help him. And it's kind of a Grifter wearing a bat suit with a bulletproof vest. I don't know. Uh, but it seemed interesting. I liked the cover. So I've never really read anything from Grifter besides when they did the original New 52 and we picked up like the Grifter book. Didn't hate it. Everything I know about like those Wildstorm like characters came from that weird cartoon that was on like TBS or USA or something in like the early nineties. Yeah. I had a bunch of the wildcat cop original comic books. And I also had the toys. I had like almost all of them. And Grifter was one of my favorite toys. So I'm always kind of looking for Grifter stuff. Cause I always loved that character. He just was cool looking he, green trench coat that yeah. mask that he wore, I thought it was really cool. Um, the mask, if I see somebody wearing now, I'd be like, come on, that's not an actual mask. It's not actually covering and stopping any kind of breath or, you know, vapor from getting out. So. Yeah. Uh, but he's, some, he's someone I always wanted. And when New 52 came out and that Grifter book came out, I was the one who picked it up um, when we did our draft pick for that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't mind Grifter popping up this way. I think it'd be kind of interesting. Um, <coughs> do I need it? No. Do I want to like it? Yes. Paul, you're looking forward to a Superman book? Yeah. Uh, Ooh, kissy kissy. Uh, being written by Dan Watters and uh, well, who knows? <laughs> and artist uh, Lila Del Duca. And... Uh, this actually has Jonathan Kent, who's now Superman, and y- Yara Flor, F-L-O-R, uh, as Wonder Woman, the Brazilian Wonder Woman, which makes sense to me. You know, the Amazon rainforest, the Amazonians, you know, tie it into uh, Brazil. Um, can these two fledgling heroes put together their differences aside, uh, aside long enough to save the world they have sworn to protect? So uh, apparently, Superman is a man of science, and she's a woman of. Uh, I'm going to take a guess here. I'm going to do a prediction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I believe that prediction will come true. But it's not at not at first. Books where, but then yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that where 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 you know the people that are heroic and are doing good in the world will actually triumph over evil. Is that what makes comic books great? Yes. Oh, so good. Yes, Paul. Okay. Anyone else is good? <laughs> Sorry, I'm working through that. It's okay, bud. Uh, <laughs> we can do that or a dramatic reading. <laughs> One, then the other? We normally do beer. In do we? Yeah, let's do another beer. Yeah. And my next beer also comes from Resurgence. And this is their double dry hopped Sitmo IPA. Their Sitmo is kind of their first New England beer that they were brewing on a regular basis. And 6.5, this is okay. I don't love it. And I don't know if it's because I wasn't a, like, 
Sitmo was okay, just regular, and then you double dry hopped it, and it didn't do too much to it that I remember. Um, it's not like when they changed the yeast in one of the hops, and they made Surge, which is the same beer as Sitmo, with, but with different yeast and a different hop. And that beer is really good. This is just okay. It's not bad. It's got a little bitter on the tongue after it sits for a while. It definitely coats your tongue with hop. But if I never drink another one of these, I'd be fine. And if I don't drink the rest of this, I'll also be fine. But it's in front of me and we're doing a podcast, so I probably will continue to drink it. Because I've done that with even beers that I think are disgusting and hate, so... Isn't that, like, where we felt about Resurgence when they, like, year two after Resurgence really came online as well? Is this... That's how I felt about... That's how I felt about Resurgence up until 2020. 2019, 2020. They always swung for the fences, and sometimes most, most of their stuff was, like, bunts. In 2020, I think they've really changed and they've put a bunch of good beers out. I don't think this is... This is them just taking a beer that they do and they double dry hopped it. Like, that's it. You know, it's nothing, like, to write home about. Uh, The thing that got me about Resurgence, when they first came out, it was like, oh, this is like the flavors of our town. They have the sponge candy stout made with real buffalo sponge candy. They have the Loganberry wit. Oh, I love going to like, you know, the local hot dog stand getting a Loganberry. It was kind of fun that they were drawing from where they came from to make those kind of local flavors beer. Local flavor beers. And then after we went back and like getting them again, it was like, okay, yeah, these beers just aren't that great. Like, it's appreciated that what they're doing, um, but it sounds like they have kind of branched out. And when we went to Resurgence for my birthday, when I was actually back in Buffalo over a year ago now, because it was 2019, um, I had a great time there. Like, it was fantastic. So I think that was definitely, like, an eye-opening experience for me based off of how they had been just when they had that smaller... Niagara Street facility where you know you would get some beers, shell some nuts, play some cornhole <laughs> outside. Um, I think they've come a long way, and I do look forward to you know getting back there again and seeing what else that they've done. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the Buffalo breweries have they've all had a lot of growing pains, and they've are all kind of coming around to being figuring out what it is to be a brewery in a town with a bunch of other breweries, but also how to put their beers to market. Everybody's had that kind of learning. Um, the people who probably have are still trying to figure it out is 12 gates, but resurgence in 2020 really figured it out that we got this place. We can brew small batches. We can come up with fun names and put stuff out and they are trying to put good things out. And they're trying, they're trying lots of stuff. And for the most part, everything is coming out top tier from them. Every once in a while, you get something that's not great. To kind of go back to the beginning of the pandemic and once everything did shut down, 
like Resurgence was one of the first breweries that I saw that was like still making beer, putting them out curbside pickup, trying to support their people and like raise funds for the people that they were still trying to keep employed and like working like with some sort of like gainful means. Uh, and I, I think that's just still really cool that they were trying to work with what they had when nobody knew what was going to be happening the next day. And then I did see other local, when I say local, living in Florida, but local, like, Buffalo breweries, like, Community Beer Works start doing more stuff, too. Where it's like, hey, like, we're canning this today, come get it. And then they were doing stuff where it's like, oh, we'll be at this restaurant tonight, come get a meal to go with like a four pack of beer for like 30 bucks. Like I, I love that. Uh, the one thing I do have to give props to resurgence is, uh, during all of COVID, they were going to parks, uh, counties, parks, uh, state parks here in the Buffalo area in a beer, uh, beer wagon, beer bus. I know, you know, a, a, a roach mobile, what do you guys call it? A food truck. Uh, selling their beer, <laughs> think of it, <laughs> food truck, but not selling food, but just selling their beers, and that was pretty cool. But I still have to like the beer, <laughs> you know. At the end, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I want to support them. And like honestly, I was trying to get a, a group of us uh, people that I work with that we've been going disc golfing uh, during the summer together to hit up a course that, you know, they were going to be at, and we just missed it. Like, <coughs> get it together. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope they continue doing that, even after COVID, uh, selling their beers at these parks, because I like to drink and play disc golf. So, uh, really easy. Paul, who makes your beer, is my first question. Usually 40. No, right, right, right now, like, the next beer you're going to have, who makes your Paul, beer? The you know what? This is a local brewery that I don't give much choice or much like, ooh, let's do it, to. And this is uh, Buffalo's uh, Big Ditch Brewing Company's Double Marshmallow. It's a double dry hop, <coughs> double IPA with marshmallows. Let me tell you, it's um, a nice, easy-drinking IPA, but then it hits you with that vanilla-y, toasted, roasted marshmallow flavor. Like, it's definitely a roasted marshmallow flavor. And it, so it's slowing me down a lot more than, um, don't make me say the last, you know, the last beer that I had its name because it just is too much. Um, th- so <laughs> it's kind of taking it a little bit slower than the Spaghetti Parm Space Station. <laughs> uh, and this is just really enjoying, uh, enjoyable. This is part of their Breaking New Ground specialty IPA, IPA series. Uh, and I think I'll be on the lookout for all the beers they put out in this series. I'm not a huge fan of their regular releases. There's nothing bad about them. I just, you know, hey, Burner's great. Like, it's an evil. Well, that's a that's a fridge filler. You know, that's what you buy because you have people coming over and they like beer, but they don't love beer. So the problem with Big Ditch is they're... Brewing where they brew is the same size as Chris's apartment. Like it is so tiny, and they hey, fuck you. <laughs> wow. Wait, well, I'm you just saying. Like, really? what you walk, what you walk into a brewery, and when we sat in Resurgence, 
and you looked at how much brewing capacity and room they had, it was huge. It was the same size as Paul's house. Uh, well, thank you. The same size as my house. Like, it's it's really big. They have a ton of tanks, and they're able, and they have, and Resurgence has two facilities where they can crank out small individual batches and do big batches. Resurgence are big ditch is so small and they only have room for so much beer and the fact that they brew so much hay burner they can't free up tanks to do other beers and I sell beer for a living in my store I sold in the year I sold $36,000 of Hayburner. The next highest selling beer, my number two craft, was Minky Boodle with $16,000. Hayburner is sold in every bar. It's sold in every store, and it is every store's number one selling craft beer. It's also still sold in like every stadium here. Yeah. Yeah. What sold at what I want to call Pilot Field, but it's not Pilot Field. <laughs> it's the beer Coca-Cola Field. I, it's, it's so many names. It's changed so many names. But it's a beer that people go, I don't like IPAs, but I love Hayburner. It's a beer that everybody can agree on. They like it. It's one of the it's the best selling craft beer in Buffalo. They brew so much of it that they aren't able to continue to brew new and different things so when they do they have to plan that batch and everything is planned months ahead of time they are in 2021 by the end of 2021 will have a new brewing facility open where they then can we can brew what we need of hay burner the next best thing they sell is their sour beer the um berry vision like that was my number nine best-selling craft beer or seven best-selling craft beer of the year. Like they brew so much now, they have to brew so much now of Berry Vision that they don't have room to continually put out new things. They put out new beers for holidays, basically. They put out these two beers for New Year's. They put out two new beers for right before Christmas, for Thanksgiving, for Fourth of July, for for the holiday stuff is when they put out these new beers it's because they just don't have the capacity to do it because they're selling so much hay burner I don't like um, make me want a stout it's not a great stout really and I don't really love uh, berry vision either berry- especially when there's minky boodle right on the shelf next to it berry vision is minky boodle like if you want to spend 14.99 on minky boodle or 11.99 on berry vision I don't know why you would pick Minky. Like why you why you wouldn't pick Minky because it's only a couple dollars more and it is a better beer. And that's what I'm just saying with a uh, big ditch. It's and because of that, because I'm like they have the one beer, Hay Burner, that I've enjoyed. That I'm always like hesitant to pick up something from them. And this is turning around. This says, hey, you know, if this series, you know, if you see this label. Breaking new ground, a label. Give it a shot, you know. Like, and I think that's important for breweries to kind of understand. Hey, if you're doing something different, put a different label on it, make it stand out on its own, because maybe it 
maybe you don't sell more beer this time, but maybe next time the people that did buy it will then like advocate for it, love it, spread the good word, and then you'll sell more the very ne- on the next release of it. And the thing is too is that that label it it looks like Minky Boodle, like it's the same kind of design with the. Mm-hmm. The marshmallows spotted around I'm it. I'm just saying about this little tag here. No, I know. It's because I'm going to be looking for that tag. On a, I'm like, big ditch. Okay, does it have that tag? Breaking new ground? No. Nope. Moving on. You know? That's, that's all I'm saying. Well, Paul, one of the breweries yeah, you might yeah, be moving on be. to is um, 42 North, which I'm drinking a beer that you sent me from there. And this is their local. Fit the Fifth. And this is a passion fruit and peach sour IPA. And have either of one of you guys had this yet? Um, show me the cup. Can you show me the can? Yes. Okay. Um, so I just want to say, like, right off the bat, like, as soon as I poured my glass of it, like, I took a sip, or sorry, a sniff, and I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, there's that peach, there's that passion fruit. And then I took a sip, and I was like, okay, there's, like, a little bit of, like, a funkiness to this. And at first I thought, like, well, maybe it just didn't travel well. But then I was, I took another sniff because I'm like, no, like this smells fantastic. Like nothing smells off about this. And then I read the sign of the can, which I will now read to you, both my friends, and then to the listeners who are also my friends, um, but they're not super friends because they haven't sent a spear. Except for uh, the few that have. <laughs> and for the few that have, hey, thank you. And to the rest of you that haven't, please do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Side again, we're celebrating five years of brewing local beers inspired by her favorite styles from around the world and beyond. Fit the Fifth is a cocktail-inspired hazy IPA brewed with pan-galactic-sized amounts of azaka, cashmere, rakao hops, packed with peach and passion fruit. You got me up to here. And then it says, made with cashew milk from our friends at Elmhurst 1925, vanilla and a touch of lactose for an incredibly smooth early fall sipper. And I think it's that cashew milk that's just kind of like, it kind of like muddies things down a little bit. Um, Because, yes, I do get that passion fruit and that peach on it. And then the fact that it is like a sour IPA, I get that kind of like nice. I always refer to it as like that grassy kind of malt, but I'm sure it's the hops that it's brewed with. But I think it's just that cashew that's kind of like like a weird little like twinge in the middle of the flavor that kind of like throws me off from like really loving this beer. I really enjoyed both the fifth of fifth, right? And also the other one. The one that was just the sour. Yeah. Cause we had those both, I think at the same time, Paul on the show back in the summer. And I remember liking the sour, the straight sour better than yeah. the sour IPA. But I still enjoyed the sour IPA. I was glad I only had a can of it. I am wondering, um, because you didn't mention the cashew nut, if a person with a nut allergy would be, would have that like agitated, that condition agitated by this, or if you know the brewing process and what they actually abstract doesn't actually hit it. Because um, uh, I re- I don't know what kind of nut cashews are too, because some people might just be like legumes versus like tree nuts. So I don't know. 
uh, somebody I work with, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, they're coming. I really liked it, and they looked it up, and they're like, oh, it has cashew nuts. I don't think I should drink it. And I'm like, but it's like made of the like, because I was trying to think of the milk lactose, and it's like, okay, they're taking like one specific part, like, I, but I don't know. I'm not a food scientist, a dietitian, a nutritionist. Yeah, but to make to make cashew milk. You grind up cashews. Yeah, and add water. <laughs> and add water. So, like, it's, cashew, it's cashews in it. Yeah, cashews are still in there? Yeah. Okay. And I, I imagine I, it's... I still don't think I'm drinking a marshmallow when I'm drinking this double marshmallow, But though. it's, like, like, usually, like, aged, like, on marshmallows, so it's still going to be picking up. So, depending on the type of marshmallows, like, some people that are vegan or like eat halal like might not be able to have that well if you're a halal you wouldn't be able to drink it anyways because it's okay. alcohol um but because it has been aged on a marshmallow like the dietary restrictions like i understand people that have them or she's lived their life away but hats off to you because that's that's a lot of work <coughs> Yeah. <coughs> and now, <laughs> try not to die, Paul. Paul. Try not to. Well, die. he's coughing. He's coughing. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I forgot it was you. Was yeah. I thought it was John. So I was trying to say John. So let's. But I just wanted to say thank you for sending this. I I sound a little bit negative. I wasn't. I'm already finished with it. I did like this. It's just that cashew, like it adds like a little something like weird to it mm-hmm. not sure that I like it but I must have because I I drank that pretty quick what's really weird about 42 North is that's not the only beer that they use like a nut milk replacement <laughs> so I'm thinking they're trying to get away from the lactose like they're trying to be vegan or something like that in order it just seems weird to me because that's the only brewery that I've seen like add like cashew milk or almond milk or because even their um, this uh, holiday season they had uh, Never Goes Bad I think they called it and it was like a cake sour Hmm. and it had like a nut milk uh, in it as well so maybe it's just them trying not to use lactose in in their beers. I mean that's possible. It could also just be like a they were just looking to like branch out and try something different because, like you said, nobody else has done anything like that. So maybe it can work different. I mean, the probably nobody candy bar inspired stout from Sideward is brewed with almond, and yeah, like that makes sense. It's almond, coconut, chocolate. Like yeah, those flavors work together. You know, it gives people some sort of joy that might be almond shaped. Yeah. EJ yeah, that's. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to say, Paul. Before I so rudely interrupted you with my dying. I'm sorry, Chris. I really was like, "Oh, you're dying. I better throw it over to John, and then throwing it back to you, which would not have been good." So, so now, please join the Bagnum Boardcast as they proudly present a dramatic reading for Star Wars: The High Republic, number one. Page 9, panel 3. They're so tall. 
And that was a dramatic reading from Star Wars The High Republic, Issue 1, Page 9, Panel 3. I should have remembered it was for you, Chris, because I figured... I mean, the last two episodes were all Paul shows, so I I understand. Like, why should any of us other lowly hosts get to do a dramatic reading? No, I figured you've heard that line so often. <coughs> I mean, I do. That you, that you would be able to deliver it, you know, so well. Oh, I get it, because he's really tall. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Still shorter than Chewbacca. Rest in peace. True. But guys, that's going to add us into our main topic, which, like you said up at the start of the show, is going to be our 2021 look forward. So we're going to be talking about some of the movies, TV shows, streaming stuff, whatever. It's nebulous now. Who knows what's coming out what anymore. Uh, the comic books, our breakout character, and then our New Beers resolutions uh, for the upcoming year. And before we head into our main topic, we've all had a little bit of time in a mid-show pause where we all got our next beer. We had some, we had some talking. We had some laughs. Um, Paul wasn't ready for this, so I'm filling some space so he can drink his beer. But we're going to talk about our next beers, and I have another one that Paul sent me, and this is from 42 North Brewing in East Aurora, New York, and this is their Night Signal Double IPA, nine uh, percent ABV. I thought this was a sour when I went to my refrigerator to grab it because it's a nice, like, pretty, like, black, white, and purple can. And I was like, okay, like, everything else Paul sent me has been, like, a sour, like, a sour IPA. No, this is straight up just double IPA. Um, brewed with cashmere, mosaic, and sabro hops. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic, though. This is a great, nice, drinkable dipa. And Paul... I have to thank you for this because this is absolutely fantastic. And again, I'm drinking this beer just because I know Paul had a chance. He went to the brewery. He got a beer that I had been looking for and wanted to have. And then he picked up some other stuff and sent it to me for Christmas. Uh, so have either one of you had Night Signal double IPA? Possibly. I try most of the stuff that comes out from them. I don't always pay attention to what it is because they put out a lot in their preemption series. Um, So I usually bring one home and they've done, I probably had this maybe a year ago and never went back to it because they rebrewed it. Um, But I know the hops that, you know, cashmere, Saburo, like those are like the, especially the Saburo, like, it's like one of my favorite hops right now. So it's one of the big ones right now. Uh, I have had it, and I do really enjoy it. It's, uh... Um, it's no, that, that's, a, that's okay, Paul. It, it hits <laughs> uh, us all at some point. <clears throat> so, no, I, I'm happy you're enjoying it as much, because this is why I keep on going back to 42 North. I know that they're going to have a specialty release of a double IPA, they're going to have some sours that I'm going to enjoy, and I can pick those up at a drive-thru where I don't even need to interact really with anybody. Sneezing again, sorry. Here. No, that's fine. It, it happens to everybody. Uh, man, just sneezing bit. Drive up, tell them what I want. They threw a crack in the window. I'm wearing a mask. They're wearing a mask. Pass them my credit card. They charge it. They throw it right in my trunk. 
So it's like Seam- done seamless. Remake. Seamless. It, it, it's great. Like they have a tent set up. I just drive right up to, to it. It's so easy. It's it's great. They're they're my favorite local brewery right now because of the ease of getting their beer. And it's all really decent. No, I've only been to Fortune North that one time that we actually went um, and we talked to Clay Keel, the head brewer there, because we just had a moment where it was like, hey, we know producer Scott, who you record a podcast with and he was like alright I guess I'll fucking sit down with you guys <laughs> and like it, it was like no we weren't trying to be people we were just like hey we know a person in common like small world and, and it also was like oh you guys like want a tour and we're like no we just wanted to say hi and like we like your beer and like I don't know you got something to tell us and and at that point he was like oh you guys are just fans like oh I'll talk to you and he did talk to us and he he gave us a lot of his history of how like his family's from Orlando and or no, they're from they're from Tampa. They Yeah, uh Clay and Keel, they actually do like they have a winery and they do like um some like barley wines and sours and stuff down there. Yeah. And um Yeah, it was it was an interesting talk with them. It's an interesting place. We've been there I think we've been there a couple times. I think as a group or at least just like Paul, you and I <laughs> gone there a couple yeah, times. I've been there probably more times than you have. I, yeah, cause because I moved to the other side of the state. And also, it's in East Aurora. There is a beer garden that dogs are allowed in. Um, not that we brought Anderson there, but Jen and I have sat out at the beer garden during the summers. Um, and you've gone... East Aurora, is just, East Aurora is just one of those nice walkable towns, and also you can go to the Roycroft, like... <laughs> historical area and then I'm like if we're going there I'm going to go to Fortune Normal and get a beer because after all that kind of oh look at the arts and crafts uh, motif of this and I'm like okay cool can we get a beer now like I'm sorry and what's what's the place that has the really good wings Barbell that I've never been to Barbell were you with us I know Chris was there when we we met we met Lisa there with her softball team, and then uh, she acted really weird because she was having an affair with that guy. I, I do not remember this. <laughs> I was there, and I was excited to finally try their wings, and then all that was happening. So guess what? We didn't, we didn't get the wings. wings. I've gone back. They're really good wings. You should stop and get wings there, Paul. I have not gone back, because it's always been crowded. It's always crowded. And even pre-COVID... Kate and I hate crowds. Yeah, but you can order wings and just eat them in your car. I know, and that's what I need to do. And there's also barbells opened up the second one. The second barbell I hear is not as good, Paul. Sorry, everyone. A little buffalo talk. Second barbell, not as good as original barbell. Hey, it's good to know. People watch travel videos just for this kind of information. So, no. Uh, Yeah, so go to the first barbell down in East Aurora. Order ahead. Reserve your seats. Uh, it does get crowded at all times. No matter, you're like, oh, it's a Thursday. Nobody has off on a Thursday, and you're, I'm going to go during lunch. Freaking crowded. Like every time, Kim and I try to eat at Barbell. Crowded, can't get a seat, or it's such a small place. Like even if you can get a seat, 
you're like on top of somebody else. And allegedly no, no, having no. an affair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, John, didn't you talk about your, your peanut butter and jelly? Not yet. I was going to say, no. do you have another local guy? Paul, or what are you drinking? Did I not talk about the Chino from 42 no. North? That no, no, not yet. That I also picked up for Chris, and I'm I am drinking right now because it's so easy to pick up beer for them. Uh, this is also a wide release. Uh, Chris will probably be talking about it hopefully on the show soon, maybe not. But this is uh, a beer with a label done by, does it say? Um, so the artwork and the story behind this beer was done by Graham Nolan, who is a comic book artist based out of Buffalo, New York. And you might not know his name, but his like significant... Um, contribution to the comic book world is he was actually the co-creator of Batman, Bill, and Vane. Back, I was Bane. Back, That's right. During the Batman Nightfall arc. So yeah, Graham Nolan, co-creator of Bane, uh, <coughs> He's doing another comic book that actually outlines the story of the Chinu, which is almost like a Yeti, like Bigfoot type, like urban myth monster uh, with like a local comic book imprint. But they teamed up with Ford's Unit North Brewing to do the Chinu brew uh, in support of it. Compass promise. Uh, Compass. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, people. (laughs) Compass Comics. And yeah, uh, pair this beer with a copy of Ch- of the Chino, which is a cryptid uh, from Compass Comics. Uh, and this beer has uh, Chinook hops, complemented by blackberry and cherries, with notes of chocolate and vanilla and dark stone fruit. So, Paul, I've drank two of these so far, so I can still talk about it, even though I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, this is a really nice, deep and rich imperial stout, like. If I didn't read it, there were supposed to be blackberries and cherries in there, but uh, but I do get a lot of that pitted fruit, you know, the yeah. um, that dark, rich. I'm gonna feel slim, but I'm gonna say rich, richness mm. from those fruits uh, in within this uh, imperial stout. Like, is it the straightforward boom? Give me that multi-dark richness of an imperial stout stout? No. But this, is it a fruited imperial stout? Yes, and it's it's enjoyable. Do I like Red Army more? Maybe. See, But this is really good. This is a really good, good dark beer to go along with the dark times we're all living in. See, you, We are in the dark universe. You brought up a good point because the 14 North uh, Russian imperial stout is one of my favorite beers that they make. And I think I would probably take this over that just because it does have that nice kind of like, again, like that dark, like pitted fruit sweetness. But it's not overpowering of just like that dark, like roasty imperial stoutness of it. I I really enjoy this beer. And I think it's great that it popped up on my radar just because it was a beer done from like a local brewery by a local comic book artist. I was like, oh, that's like totally in our wheelhouse. Like that should be a thing that we talk about, right? And it's it's great that it's also 
a really good beer. It is a really good beer. It's not... There's If you see this out on the store anywhere, I, I suggest you pick it up if you enjoy like big, dark beers. It's enjoyable. It's good. Uh, but I don't know. I, maybe I just have an affinity for that. Well, I mean, there, there's going to be a difference between an imperial stout with stone fruit added to it and a Russian imperial. You know, like, they're... <laughs> yes, they're it's it's like you said earlier. Yes, they're they're both stouts, but they're completely different stouts. Yeah. And I can understand being more in favor of a Russian Imperial, but also a Russian Imperial stout is like the only one I have on my shelves right now is Old Rasputin. Like it's a dying style. And I think most of that is because of the uneducated <clears throat> beer drinkers that are out there that want something that doesn't taste like a stout that has a lot more going on, which is going to probably take me into like my beer. But it, it definitely is a dying style, much like Scotch Ales, much like barley wines, much like Irish Reds, like... If you want an Irish red, you got to wait till super early spring, right around March. Like, you'll be able to get all of them, but they're gone after that. And um, I I hate it because I love, Paul, you and I both, we and Chris, we all love Russian Imperials. And it's sad that it's not something that is readily available anymore. So, John, if you're drinking for the uneducated masses that you're going to praise. I, it is. It's delicious. Uh, I'm going to drink. It's called PB&J Concoction. This is an imperial stout with peanut butter, wild strawberry, Tunisian vanilla, and chocolate. And this tastes like you took a really, like, you made a peanut butter jelly sandwich and you just coated it with peanut butter and strawberry and then you dipped it into chocolate milk and then into a stout um you get all those flavors the peanut butter is definitely there on the nose and you get that peanut butteriness right away and then it goes very kind of nice strawberry it's 12 percent, and it's like a gulping 12 percent. i gotta start like I've started to just take sips out of it because it's it's a lot and it's I'm halfway through this beer and I shouldn't be with it, it with it at it's a twelve percent. It draws. Oh in. man! Uh, as a person that probably eats a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day versus you do, does it taste like on both pieces of bread you put peanut butter on and then layered? jelly in the middle, where the peanut butter's coming through a lot more than the jelly or is it an equal balance? Like a, like a noob. So, when they make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich where they put peanut butter on one slice of bread and just jelly on the other. Instead of peanut butter and both slices of bread. If you really want to break this down on my palate... Not really. I was just talking about how I might have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I, I barely listened to you, so it was okay. 
it it's like you took peanut butter Captain Crunch and with the the Captain Crunch berries and then you added Cocoa Krispies and then added a stout instead of milk. Like it has that kind of grainy cereal kind of maltiness feel to it. And the the peanut butter tastes like peanut butter Captain Crunch kind of. And the berries are there. Like it's just really well balanced and uh, this beer is from Seven Islands Brewery. Um, they're just starting to be in the Buffalo area. Our distributor um, just started carrying them. And this was like a Christmas gift from my salesman. He's like, hey, these are beers. They're not really in the market, but uh, Merry Christmas. And they gave me this, an IPA, which the IPA was okay. It was good. It wasn't great. Um, and then two sours. And they're, I'd say, slightly tiki-inspired sours. Ooh, you have Paul's attention. Um, but, like, the the one I had was kind of like... The one sour... I, I still have another one of their sours, but the one sour I had was kind of like um, a poinsettia-esque um, kind of thing. So it had, like... I think it had, like, grape and cranberry and maybe two other berries to it and it was a good sour but it was too much cranberry for me and I'm not a cranberry guy so it just tasted like I was drinking cranberry juice um, but this beer is excellent the IPA was decent enough that you I would say you should tr- probably check out Seven Islands Brewery and they're from um, Casanova, New York so they're not too far from here. Right? Oh, yeah, it's a little bit of a drive. It's not too far. Yeah. It's, it's more central than York, but still not yeah. that far. Well, what, three hours? Hey two hours? So heading into the main topic, our 2021 look forward. So again, outlined at the start, things that we're looking forward to coming out. We're going to start with our movies and TV shows. No. Drank a lot. Okay. It happens. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start off because I don't know how long I can talk for. But at this point, we've been more than a year without any kind of Marvel release. And we are now a week away from getting our first look, not just into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also the first look at the Marvel Universe on Disney+. Plus with Wanda uh, Vision coming out uh, January 15th. We've gotten our final official trailer. We now know the uh, theme music was done by the Lopez's, who did all the music for Frozen, so that's why it's very jaunty and, like, 1950s, like, Mary Tyler Moore, like, kind of fun. Um... I'm glad that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not coming out because of everything that's happened. Because we've missed out on a couple movies now, I think. Hasn't been derailed so much that we're not getting WandaVision because of it. Because 
this is probably something that I'm looking forward to more than something like Black Widow or Eternals. This is something that I'm going to be very happy when it hits the uh, Disney Plus. Like, it's the reason why I signed up for three years of Disney Plus <coughs> without hesitation. Like, I'm like, yep, just charge me now. I'm in. Just shut up and take my money. This is the kind of thing that I was expecting to, you know, to be given with that, you know, uh, transaction. I'm not, like, the most excited for it. I Like, I'm going to be happy it's there. It's going to be probably sitting there for a week <laughs> or two, and then I'm going to watch it. Because maybe I'll be out of things, like, that I'm really excited to watch. I think this will be a lot of fun. I just don't know what's going to happen in this series. <coughs> and I know I'm going to start getting spoiled before I even get to see it. And I think that's just you being weird, Paul, because... Yeah, I'm not. I, you can't say I'm being weird when you've known me for this. Yeah, long. and I think you're weird as fuck. You're a weird dude. <coughs> oh, you're a weird dude. Are you not a weird dude? I thought I'm just too. Yeah, which is a weird, which is a weird fucking dude. It's, it's normal for who I am. See, because now this is my like appointment viewing, like where Mandalorian used to be, like. The days that this launches, I will be home watching that next episode because I gotta get that Marvel fix it. This is and even with Mandalorian, the last three episodes, I was like, I gotta wait. Things are happening in it. I hear it's pretty sad. You know, things are going to go a little sideways. I gotta hear that it comes back and there's a hopeful ending before I can go back to it. Partly because of what's happening in my life. And Grogu, I'm sorry, he's a pet. For all intents and purposes, like, I, I know he's a sentient being and all that jazz, but in the show, he's a pet. And I'm dealing with having to say goodbye to my own dog, so I didn't want to watch something that, where that it could turn out where that you know, the pet of the uh, the uh, of the show would die. So, one division, like what's going to happen in it? I don't know. Like I'm excited for it, but I'm also kind of hesitant <coughs> about it because it's about a spouse or a loved one dying and dealing with that grief. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Uh, uh I guess I can kind of see that. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's one of those things out of the Marvel shows when they announced it, I probably was like, eh? When I heard more about it and when I saw the trailer, I was more interested because it's not just the Falcon and Winter Soldier and they're going to fight and there's going to be action. Like, this is going to be probably next, like, next to Loki, like, one of the really more interesting things that they're doing. It's not just, hey, I'm a superhero, I'm going to punch. This is going to be, hey, I have powers, I'm going to create my own reality where I can live with the person that I love. And I think that's really interesting, and I think the fact that she might pull other people out of their reality to put them into her reality, and it changes things that it's I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to how this plays out 
how the different actors and actresses that they've added to it, how they're going to work in it. Because most of the people that I've heard that are are in it and are going to be characters in it are all people who I respect. They're great comedic actresses and actors. And it's, I'm just, I'm really interested in doing this. I picked a bunch of kind of out there things for mine because I was hoping that you guys would pick and choose of the Disney things that were going to be coming. And I'm, I am looking forward to this. I, I keep going like, it's January, it's coming up and knowing that it's going to be in like a, a week and a half kind of from when we are now. I'm excited. Seven seven days, eight days from today. So, John, what's one of those weird out there things that you are looking forward to? Uh, so, I am looking forward to. Uh, it is called the Last Night in Soho, and this is um, Edgar Wright's new film, and this is going to be a horror thriller or a thriller, mystery, horror film that he's done, which is about a young girl who's passionate about fashion design and is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But in the 60s London, it's not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. And... Thank you, IMDb. Right? Yes. I literally, I literally just yeah. searched for it, and that's like yeah. exactly what it this, It's All I know is that uh, this movie's never coming out because Edgar Wright already did his Cornello trilogy, so therefore it's he's done, and there are no movies. Yeah, but we also got something like Scott Pilgrim, which was absolutely fantastic. And Baby Driver. I really enjoyed Baby Driver. Uh, so this stars Anya Taylor-Joy. Um who was the lead in the Queen's Gambit. She was also in The Witch from 2015. Uh, Matt Smith, um, Terrence Stamp, the um, the twin brothers, um, the Felt brothers, who were in the Harry Potter movies as the Weasley twins. Um, it also stars uh, Diana Rigg, um, who you would know, I believe she's from the... Um, the Avengers, who just recently passed away. Uh, and there was somebody else who was famous in this. Uh, I don't see him. Edgar Wright taking a step more into horror, kind of in a 60s pop horror thriller. I'm interested in seeing this. It, he's one of those people who, when he attaches to a project, I... I haven't been disappointed by any film that he's made. I think the one that is probably towards the bottom of the movies that he's made is the um, the end of the world, which I still really like and I still think is a yeah. really good film. But that's towards his bottom, and he's going to do a '60s thriller horror. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. I feel like it's going to be Dario Ingenta esque with his own twist with English kind of pop films. Like, I think it's going to be really good. I picked this over Wes Anderson's new movie. Um, 
and I haven't even gotten a trailer for this one. I have, I've gotten a trailer for Wes Anderson. So. Then I, I, you know, I won't watch trailers or I have movies. You won't watch movies or movies. So I, I, I got nothing. But it sounds interesting. Hopefully, it's good. I hope. I hope you really enjoy it, John. I really do. Me too. Thank you, Paul. Paul, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh, doing more things on Twitch, and that includes uh, the people over at the on the Twitch channel, uh, Brothers Murph. They've been like really pushing, trying to get together a bunch of people that uh, are, that are on Twitch that do the board game reviews and play board games live on Twitch uh, to get together and like just constantly stream. Like so, one stream ends. So one host ends their stream, and it goes right into another person's and other person's. Um, this doesn't count. Do that for no, I'm just I'm just about to yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, And they've done because everything had to go virtual this year. They did their own like convention uh, where they actually posted, "Hey, if you want to play with these like these uh, but board game like." YouTube creators, Twitter players, um, creators, like if you want to play board games with them, jump online at this time, sign up, play board games with these people, do it, you know, and, and we'll, we'll put it all on uh, Twitch. I'm looking forward to more of that. Uh, they already said they were going to do another one these days uh, in January, and they're hoping to do another one in spring, and then, like, Basically, almost once a month. Um, that's what they really hope to do. It's these long weekend, um, all day, all weekend streams, like going from one grader to the next. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm. I enjoy it. Uh, <coughs> you, did you guys have you guys like watched anything on Twitch? Are you guys on Twitch no. at all? Like, I mean, we're on Twitch as a like platform and content providing entity but no so you guys haven't watched any no i mean i've like the content I creators learned how to cheer somebody today so i'm not good at twitch like i don't know how to do twitch so at all again i'm not good at social media i follow like magic the gathering streamers that play on twitch but i watch it when they put their on youtube streams up on youtube like, I think that might have been how I watched a couple things on YouTube from a couple video gamer people that I followed. Or you kind of have those things where you're like, "Oh, I'll, I'll watch these clips for like a week, and then I don't need to watch these anymore." Um, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not a twitcher. I'm not a pegger. Uh, well, get just get you know get that. Uh... <coughs> forgot what it's called at the end of Pe- uh, Peggle. When you get like the... Yeah, it's been, it's been too level. long since I've played it. <laughs> uh, but what I what I am is a horror movie fan. And in 2018 when we did our yearly look back and probably in 2017 when we did a yearly look forward to the Halloween movie uh, that was a direct sequel to John Carpenter's original one was my thing I was looking forward to probably 
but I do know it was my one of my favorite movies of that year. And the sequel is going to come out in 2021. I believe it was Halloween to, Kills. Halloween Kills. Okay, I couldn't remember the name of it because I have not heard anything about this movie in like a year, probably. Uh, yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, right now, it's saying 2021. Um, it was how ho- the Halloween that they put out was exceptional. It it really was superb. They understood the character. They understood what they were doing with it. And they made what makes the most sense as a direct sequel to that original 30 years later. Um, so when they said they're going to actually make this a trilogy, I was a little hesitant about it. But the fact that it is David, uh, David Gordon Green and it is him coming back to, to write this and they worked on it with uh, Danny McBride who co-wrote it with a couple other people like I'm interested to see where this goes. I enjoy Halloween movies. Usually just the first ones, the sequels usually go a little off the rails because how, if Michael Myers is quote unquote, just a man, how do you keep, how does he keep coming back after everything that happens to him? In this, it isn't some weird cult like in Halloween 5 or whatever. This is just, he is just a man. He is missing his eye because in the first one, Laurie Strode stabbed him in the eye with a hanger. So he's missing an eye. Like, he's someone who, he has all the ailments that happened to him in that first movie. And he's now just old, older psychopath. I'm interested to see where they left off of this movie and where it goes. And you've gotten a couple little teaser trailers that really don't show too much, but I am, I am looking forward to it. It was the Halloween that they did was so, it was so good that would make me want to knock down doors to go and see this movie. What I see in the theaters. no, <laughs> see, I didn't see that Halloween movie, even though it looked really good. I don't want to say I was burned by the Rob Zombie ones because I really enjoyed the first Halloween. Halloween two, not so much, and then it seemed like he was the future of that franchise. And then the next movie he did was Lords of Salem, which I was just like, okay, like I, I can't support him as a director anymore. It's just because I did not like it. I heard 31 was better, but again, like I just I haven't gone back. See, I heard 31 was worse. And I there's people who I like I I follow in different things that are that say that Lords of Salem is actually really good, and I'm like maybe I should go back and watch it, but I didn't love my experience the first time with it, so there's yeah. no reason that I'd want to go back to watch it to see if I was wrong because there's no way I was wrong. No, and that's um, where I'm at, too, because I really dug Halloween because he brought everything that he had brought to stuff like House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, which were great modern horror movies. And going into Halloween, I was like, okay, yeah, this is a dude that was, you know, born and raised on horror movies doing his take on it. And Halloween worked, but then living in Halloween, too, it's just, 
it just seemed like stretching and it didn't feel it didn't feel like earned or needed and then again after that his next movie I saw was Lords of Salem which I absolutely hated um, and nothing against the dude because comes around to Halloween time I'm still going to listen to a shit ton of Rob Zombie but um, I don't know I haven't chased down anything about the most recent Halloween movie but based off of your recommendation maybe maybe I should uh, what I would what I would say is do a double do a double feature watch like one weekend watch John Carpenter's Halloween the next weekend watch this Halloween I wouldn't do them in a row because it would probably feel just too close. Do I do Halloween 2? No. This no season of the Witch. That's three. You can't you can watch Season of the Witch, because that's just a fun movie. Okay. It's fun. That's with the TVs and like the masks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And some weird nipple sucking. Happens. Don't it's it's weird. Cause it's like an eighteen year old woman and a fifty year old man. It's bizarre. Uh, in the eighteen-year-olds, no, know. no, it's it's bizarrely, Paul. It's the opposite nope. of what you're thinking. <laughs> it wouldn't be the eighteen-year-old girl doing it to the man, uh, which is weird that you would think that. But <laughs> watch Carpenter's Halloween again, have that refresher, and then watch the sequel like the next weekend or the David Gordon Green. Uh, one, and they just they fit perfectly, especially when you realize that it's you know thirty some odd years between the two. Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it; she's phenomenal. The woman that plays her granddaughter in it is really great. Um, what's her name from? Um, what is it Judy Greer from? She was in Arrested Development. Yeah, um, Judy Greer's been in everything. She yeah. plays. She plays uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. Like everything, just really, really works, and it's a thousand times better than Rob Zombie's Halloween. And I, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It was one of my top movies that I was looking forward to last year, and uh, yeah, it's my number two movie so far this year. Going, going into 2021. Chris, you or me? Um, I'm okay with going next because my number two is actually going to be kind of a throwback to one of the things that I most loved about 2020 in my annual look back. And this is going to be Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. And this is his big screen adaptation of the Broadway musical that put him on the map. Um, I'm not John. I do love musicals. I say that unabashedly and unapologetically. But I'm the kind of person where I have to have actually seen the show before I can be like, yes, this is a thing I like, love, and appreciate. Give me more. Um, And that's kind of what kept me from getting into Hamilton before it came out. Because I had heard so much stuff about it, and... I avoided everything, even though I could just listen to the soundtrack, which is basically the entire show, 
Yeah, like, but it doesn't work without them. But that's the thing, and it, I need it does. to see it. Uh, no, I'm going to disagree. No. Because I feel like if I had listened to any of those songs, I might have liked them and appreciated them for what they were. But seeing everything play out on the screen, it's how it's meant to be seen. You're seeing everything acted out. You're hearing the music. You're hearing the dialogue. I want to see everything as it's presented before I jump into it and become what I think is kind of a fair weather fan. Where it's like, oh, yes, I've listened to Hamilton. Never saw it, but man, I like those songs. Um, In the Heights is one of those things that's been so hyped up over the years. Because, again, this is what put Lin-Manuel Miranda on the map. And it's been off, off, off Broadway. I don't know how to say it, because it started off as just like stage production, then it was off Broadway, then it was on Broadway, now it's off, 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 off everything. Um, since 2008, so it's not like this is... But it's a Tony Award winning show. It is, uh, 13 Tony Award winnings. Um, and I like his contributions to pop culture. I love Hamilton. I love everything else he's done. Uh, his work for Moana, his appearances on, uh, How to Curb Your Enthusiasm, like... I just think he's a cool dude. He does stuff that I like. I know I'm going to like and love this. And this is going to be one of those kind of, hey, it's out in theaters. Supposedly, if everything goes well, it'll be in June. We'll wait and see. And that's kind of the curse of everything that we're going to be talking about being like, quote unquote, released in 2021. Because who who knows? Like, any of this could change tomorrow. And that's kind of like... I was going to say the worst thing about what's happening. No, the worst thing is all the death and, like, how it can be fixed and pushed back, postponed. But we're a pop culture podcast, so yeah. The worst thing about this is the fact that I can't see the movie I want to see. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Paul? I did want to say he was Gizmo Duck as well. He is. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Merrill America. Yeah. yeah. In the DuckTales uh, series. Him. Uh, Fenton Crackshell. He's a bro. Like, he's a cool dude. No, I, I enjoy... Uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching In the Heights whenever it comes to whatever podcast... Streaming, streaming platform that you own. Yep. Uh-huh. Because it starts uh, the start of uh, Christmas night, and also pr- uh, Princess Switch and Princess Switch again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You mean the start of High School Musical? Yeah. Yes. And that's yes. <laughs> I enjoy hearing all those movies. <coughs> um, but my pick is going to be for my number two slot here is going to be Doom. Oh, good pick. Good pick. It's going to be on HBO Max, and John, I hope I'm vaccinated <laughs> so I can show up. A- absolutely. Place. Hey, we are both essential workers. Right? Hey, I will, I will sit there and wear a mask with you, and we can watch it in my living room together wearing masks if it comes to that, Paul. It, it has... 
been that way with you and me. Like, every time I come over to drop something off or say hi, I've worn a mask, I've stayed outside, I've passed things through the doorway. And we sat out on the, we sat out on, a front, on, on my we front porch, on porch for, what, like an hour, just being friends, talking. Both both wearing masks and more than six feet away. Like, and, and with my... Because I could not stand the thought of me spreading something yeah. to, to somebody. And my... And my son would not go inside. He had to run around the porch with us. So, yeah. Uh, no, pa- Paul, I, I will yeah. gladly sit and wear a mask and watch this movie because we went to a midnight showing. Oh, so long. I was so tired by the end of it. <laughs> I was so tired. Like, he kept on saying, the sleeper must awake. And I kept on saying, no, the sleeper must stay asleep. I am <laughs> Tired. Like it was the old nineteen seventies, like nineteen old early nineteen nineties version of Dune. It was nineteen sixty-five. No, it was it was after Star Wars. It was late seventies, yeah. early eighties. Stings, Stings in it. It. to come I I don't know, Han. Sir it's Patrick David Lynch's Dune and David Lynch wasn't famous till the eighties. Sorry. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm looking I this really up. Like 1984. The books came out in 1965. My bad. Yeah, I read the book, the first book, Dune, and the only book I've read of Dune for like 11th grade English class. And I, I got through it because I'm like, oh, this is such an analog. It's such a like. It's just so ham-fisted. Like, this is the Middle East, and this is the province of the Middle East. And Wait, you mean the spice oil. is oil? Yeah, yeah. And what? Even as an Boom! Mind-blown! Exactly. Even as an 11th grader in high school at a public school, not private, uh, I saw through Are you trying to tell me Ryan, uh, Ronald Reagan is fade? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I saw through all that shit. I'm like, was annoyed that I was reading it for like over the summer. But then I watched that uh, sci-fi series, sci-fi miniseries, or Seafy, as it's now known. No, it's sci-fi. Don't don't say that ever again to me. That's why. Don't just it's sci-fi. They, <laughs> sci-fi. They channel. spelled it that way so they could trademark it. Yeah. So the trademark sci-fi channel, you know, produced a series back in the day, miniseries back in the day, and I love that miniseries. It's great. Never watched it, did hear it was great. Never watched it either. Watched it when it first premiered, haven't rewatched it, because I'm not going to spend money on rewatching Dune, because I like it, but don't love it. <laughs> Dune is one of those sci-fi series like, oh yeah, House of Trades. I understand what you're talking about. Yes, the spice must slow. I understand what you're talking about. But I'm not a diehard for the Dune uh, series. And that's why it's making my numbers here. It's, it, I'm excited to see it. I think this looks great from the trailers that we've seen. Yeah, this is something that almost made my list, but I couldn't edit because I've never been a Dune fan. Like, I've never read any of the Frank Herbert novels. Like, there are things that came out that they based the David Lynch movie off of that I liked. 
I don't have any strong attraction for it, but I think it's a cool movie. Like, it's one of those movies that I like and respect for what it is because it's just one of those, like, pop culture movies that you grow up with knowing is a thing that's in pop culture. And you might not, like, gravitate towards it, but you know it's a thing, so you always just kind of have that respect for it. And I think that's my love of Dune because... It's not my favorite movie. I'm never going to put it on the top of any of my lists. Like, even if it's a list of movies that take place on sci-fi desert planets, it's not going to crack the top five. But I still fucking love Dune. And the fact that they're doing a modern, live-action, updated remake of it with an all-star cast. Like, there's a lot of strong parts of this movie. I think we're going to finally get the Dune that we deserve. David Lynch kind of always wanted to make, but at, he made it like 30 years too early. Uh, it's a great Sunday afternoon movie. Like, it's something you can put on. I think that David Lynch one is like, it, it feels like it's four hours long. Uh, but it's definitely like, a Sunday afternoon movie versus a Friday night, midnight showing movie because it is so long. And it is something that really is an interesting story. It's a great sci-fi story. And to be able to do it with a big budget current, being able to do it in the current time like this where you can have great computer effects is going to be great for this. I know that the the director, as soon as HBO had Warner Brothers had said it's going to go straight to HBO Max, he said this is the end of the series. They're never going to green light a second movie because it's never going to make its money. Which, I mean... Ultimately, yes, you're going to agree with to a sense that when Wonder Woman launched that day, when Wonder Woman launched on Christmas, Christmas Day or the day after Christmas, it said, like, Wonder Woman 3 already in, like, we've green-lighted. We've green-lit it. So I think the studios are already in sense, if it launches and people are saying it's great they're going to green light a second a second movie. It doesn't matter butts in the seats. To a sense, if it gets enough praise and people like this Dune, I believe it will get a new, or it will get greenlit for a sequel. But I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about the sequels. I only know David Lynch's Dune. You give me half of that movie, I'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell happens after that. I never watched... There was multiple sci-fi or sci-fi miniseries. Don't fucking say that. (laughs) I thought I said it wrong. That's why I said it. (laughs) Uh, Any way you say it other than sci-fi is apparently wrong. It is. Uh, But yeah, this is definitely one that I thought about putting on my list. In the, um, for some reason I want to call him Atreyu, but Paul, Paul, Atreides. Uh, yeah, Paul Atreides, Atreides, yeah. uh, the young 
Timothy. The young actor who's playing him. Timothy Chalamet. People are saying, like, he's going to be, he's the next big thing. He's a great actor. He should have a great career, like, ahead of him. And he's. And then uh, also Zandaya. Yeah. Yeah. Zandaya? Is that how you say it? But, Paul, what's your number number one? Because you haven't started one of these yet. Oh, you you know what it is. X Factor. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. It's, uh. It's, you know, what I feel that I have a need. A need. Oh, really? Yeah. It's Top Gun Maverick, guys. I love the look on Paul or, on Chris's face right now, which is like no, I'm just, kind of disgust, but also intrigue. I get it because Tom Cruise is crazy, but I'm just amazed that I re- Top Gun's your pick. I really thought you were going to go because Chris has got like his hand on his temple, rubbing his face up, and I thought he was going to go. I get it because you're Paul, but mm. no, it's. Tom Cruise is crazy, and he's now <laughs> flying like fighter jets. So why not? Because you know he spent hours and hours learning how to fly a fighter jet. Because he spent hours and hours learning how to fly a helicopter to do his own stunts. Say, I know Top, uh, Tom Cruise is crazy. I understand it, but Top Gun, like when I rewatched it. And we talked about it on podcast not that many episodes ago. Like, it is a great movie. I'm sorry. It is just so 80s. It's It's very 80s. There's just... Just give me those, like, light simulation, like, oh, we're going out, and you gotta, you know, out-ace each other. It's so good. Whose favorite Christmas song isn't the Snoopy song where he's fighting the the uh, Red Baron? I don't. I, I don't that know song, that song. Right? You know that song. Can you? Those Christmas bells, those Christmas bells, ringing through the land. I don't know. Ring. I don't know that song. Chris shook his head. So he doesn't know that song you, either. You mentioned like like Peanut song, like where I g- like go and. There's no worse to it, so I'm just gonna do like the melody, the do 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 the sad song. Yeah, I don't know how to do that one off. Off. I've that's I've like on my register of Christmas songs. Yeah, I don't know. Chris, dog fighting is Michael Vick over here. That's part of. It's the best part of Star Wars. <coughs> best part of uh, of uh, Top Gun. And that's why it's my number one choice for 2021. It's supposed to be out this year in 2020. Uh, got pushed back. Top Gun. I, I know you. I know you like these movies. Like I know you. I know that you've been looking forward to this because you and I have had the conversation. We've talked about it, and I know that. Um. It's. N- I don't know when I would ever get around to watching this because I like. Right. I saw Top Gun in the theaters, like I I saw it in the theaters, <laughs> and I remember it being kind of cool. And I went back 
more as a, a teenager, probably more towards an adult, and watched it again, and I was like, it's okay, it's kind of kind of boring. But I do love how crazy Tom Cruise is. Um, and not to derail things, but like my favorite thing I've heard about Tom Cruise is uh, Matt Damon met Tom Cruise at a party. And Matt Damon wanted to do some stunt in one of the Bourne movies, and they wouldn't allow him to do it. And then he watched Mission Impossible movies, and like Tom Cruise does his own crazy stunts in that. So he came up, and he's talking to Tom Cruise, and he's like, you know, I wanted to do this thing, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, like, how did you, how did they let you do that movie? And he's like, oh, so I came up with the idea for the stunt, and uh, I went to the stunt coordinator and the insurance company and everything, and I said, like, uh, hey, I want to do this. And the stunt coordinator said no, and the insurance company said no, and I said, no, I really want to do it. And they said no, and I said you guys should really let me do it. And they said, no. And he's like, so I got a new stunt coordinator and I got a new insurance company. Like, <laughs> like that's how, that's how I got to do that stunt. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. Pretty much the only reason he's allowed to do that stuff is because he's now the producer of every movie yeah. that he's in. So he's putting up like all the money for it. So the only person that's out anything, if he like runs off the top of a building is Tom Cruise. Yeah. And the guy jumped off a building and landed on another one, shattered his ankle, climbed his knee, climbed up it, and then continued running to finish the scene. You know, like it didn't stop him. We should I mean, a possible fallout. Great. That's the thing. After Katie Holmes leaves you, you see these movies; they're so good. That's the thing. After Katie Holmes leaves you, you just need to do whatever you need to do to feel alive. Like yeah. apparently, that's jumping off buildings, flying jet planes. Uh, yeah, Dawson being, knew what was up. Being tethered to a plane as it takes off and on the outside of a, a plane. Yeah. <coughs> Free climbing a building in Dubai. Chris, you're number two. Um, My number two, I think, is... Uh... Wait, I just did my number one. Oh, I'm sorry. You're number one, Chris. So number one. Um, A movie that I'm really looking forward to, just based off of nostalgia and then kind of a letdown over what we got before uh supposedly coming out in july but this is going to be ghostbusters afterlife directed by jason reitman son of ivan reitman who did the original first two ghostbusters movie kind of that requel where it's a new movie that takes place after the originals we're pretending the 2016 movie doesn't exist because people didn't like it. And I didn't like it. It wasn't terrible. It just it's and also that great. movie presupposes that the original movies didn't exist. Exactly. Even though it still draws off of them and makes references to them, it didn't happen. Um, I talked about this a little bit previously on the show when talking about the 2016 Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? As a kid, I loved Ghostbusters. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster when I grew up. I had all the toys, the action figures, like the Nerf, like, barrel popper gun. Um, when they announced the Paul Feige Ghostbusters movie, I was excited because it was a step back into that universe. 
but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. This seems to be what I wanted that movie to be, like, five years ago now. Um, just drawing on that heritage, and it has that kind of, like, neo-nostalgic, like, we know this is what you like, we're gonna pay homage to it, but also pay respect to it, and the one trailer we've gotten so far has like really sold it to me that like yes this is the Ghostbusters movie that I want and feel as a child of the 80s I deserved again I'm not like a super like militaristic like oh you put women as Ghostbusters that movie sucked no it just wasn't a great movie like I can realize what it is. I there was great elements to that movie. There was stuff that I had fun with in it, but coming out of it, I'm like, yes, it was Ghostbusters in name, but it left me It was wanting. Ghostbusters in name, but not in busting. Yeah, I was not afraid of any ghost. Um, but yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm, I'm really looking forward to when this comes out, and I'm looking forward to to it in the way that I was with something that we already got to see and we talked about over on side podcast movie fix with Bill and Ted Bill and Ted's like it it had what I wanted it to be in a way of wrapping up a franchise that I loved from 30 years ago like it hit those notes it was still something kind of new because it just drew off of what became before, and it didn't have to be something completely different because it still hit those notes that I wanted going into it. <laughs> this is also one of those things that this was supposed to come out in in 2020. Like, we were already supposed to have this. And I think the other big selling point, and it was a selling point when the casting was announced and then when you got to see the trailer was go on guys Paul Rudd's in it like he looks wonderful I'm doing the glasses up and um, and even Chris was like when we watched the like we watched the trailer and as friends we talked about it and we might have talked about it on the podcast too but Chris was like you guys think Paul Rudd's gonna be the villain and I was like, hey, that, I, I didn't think about that, but maybe. And now I'm like... <laughs> I mean, I hope he's not. Like, cause I just love Paul Rudd and everything, but... Yeah. yeah, but it would be fun that he... Ooh, my microphone fell off the table. Uh, but he was the villain in Parks and Rec. Was he, though? Because he was still super nice. He voted for Leslie. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> Um... No, but I oh, think that was a really good speech. Like... <laughs> that was really good. Uh, no, it is great, and I am looking forward to this too. And it, what this was something that was on my list of like, I hope somebody else mentions this because we were supposed to already have it, you know. And I'm glad that you picked it, Chris. Well, I'm glad that you also let me pick Top Gun Maverick because I know <laughs> on your list. Yes. Uh, but my number one pick is going to be Nobody. And this is uh, a movie directed by Ilian Nashar, who did the hardcore Harry movie, if that matters to anybody. That's uh, the first person action adventure movie? Yeah. And he I did like. Saw it. He, it, it's, it's okay. The action, the action stuff in it 
Serious Sam is a video game. Yeah. I'm sorry. The action stuff in it are really well done. Uh, and then this is written by Derek Kostad, who is the writer of the John Wick movies. And this movie is very John Wick-esque. But I think the thing that sold me on this is this movie is starring Bob Odenkirk as an action star. And the scenes in this movie, the trailer, are just great. Bob Odenkirk actually trained two years doing fight and gun training to do this movie. And he looks great in it. And I think if Liam Neeson or Mel Gibson or any of those guys were cast in this movie, you would just, in my mind, I would just gloss over it as just another action movie. But because it's Bob Odenkirk as this role, and he looks great doing the action stuff, I'm sold. I love it. Um, I didn't know what movie you were talking about until you said Bob Odenkirk. And I was like, oh, yes, I did hear about this movie, but I didn't know there was actually a trailer that came out, so I'm going to put it on the background. As oh, yeah. T- oh, take a we're, pause. We're talking. Uh, take a pause. Watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I don't care about you, Paul. I don't care about Chris. <coughs> because it seems more like this is a uh, a movie that's more about Mr. Show, Don't Tell. Mm. That's bad. Thumbs <laughs> down. Uh, but this is a guy who used to be a auditor for a mob syndicate. I think if this movie does well, it'll quote-unquote connect to the uh, John Wick world. If it doesn't, it's just an action movie. But he was an auditor who gave up being, as he says in the trailer, if you saw me coming for you, that was the last thing. I was the guy who you last saw before you were basically executed. I gave that all up because I met a woman and I started a family. And now... And he's... Like he says in the trailer, like, I I course corrected too hard and became a wimp when I'm the toughest son of a bitch you're going to see. And he has this moment where somebody breaks into his house and he lets him go. They, they stole like 20 bucks in his watch. You know, it wasn't anything. But then everybody gives him shit about it. And he kind of has this breaking point where these guys are harassing this girl on a bus and he stops them and he enjoys beating the shit out of like five guys on the bus where then how he got out, he owed a debt and these guys are then coming after him and he's got to save his family. So I'm someone that knows Bob Odenkirk from his comedy self, like Mr. Show with Bob and David and 30 seconds into this, I had to stop it because I'm like, how old is Bob Odenkirk? Because there's like that, that disconnect from knowing him from like, oh, like change for a dollar <laughs> to like seeing him in this world. He's just like, you see it in his neck. Like where it's like, oh, like I never watched um, Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul or which is really good. I Breaking think it's bad, but like, I know, I know like he's supposed to be awesome in it, but like, that's just not my kind of show. 
But, like, I'm aware of Bob Odenkirk enough that I've seen him, like, multiple times over the years because he's just someone that's like, oh, it's it's Bob Odenkirk. Like, yes, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Seeing him just in the first 30 seconds of this round, like, he probably didn't have to, like, train as hard as he did, but, like, before I get to any of the action, I'm like, oh, he he did train that hard, and I can't wait for the next, like, two minutes and ten seconds of this, because, holy shit, like, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, and, um, it's him trying to save his family, and also, like, there's a moment where his daughter says, like, they stole my kitty cat bracelet. And it seems like a lot of it is him just trying to get this kitty cat bracelet back, fighting the mob. The action looks great. He looks amazing performing it. And it is that thing that he is, like Chris said, like, Chris and I know and love Bob Odenkirk from... I'm watching him on the bus right now, and it does seem kind of like that. It's like that slapsticky, almost like three stooges where it's like, oh, I'm gonna catch the bottle. It's in your face now. Where you see it on his face where he's so used to doing that kind of comedy stuff, but like there's like a visceralness like let's do it. Like Yeah. It looks yeah. it looks good. Come on. I like Because uh... you know what's the difference between comedy and drama really is consequence. Uh but it, like Chris and I Oh he's you know... shooting people. There's consequences. <laughs> Um, but it's, it is one of those things like Chris and I know him from Mr. Show and it's a series that Chris and I both love and we've talked about just between each other for years. Um, and he was great on Breaking Bad. He was hired without auditioning. He was just given the role of, uh, Saul Goodman on that show because the writer creator of Breaking Bad loved him on Mr. Show that he was like, well, I'm just going to offer you this thing. And, and at that time, Bob Uncork was a director. He was also like just being a, a family man and a father. And he was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And his wife and his kids who had watched the show were like, no, you should do it. That he did that. And then when the guy said, I'm going to spin off and do a, a better call Saul TV series, he wasn't a hundred percent sold on it. Cause he's, like, I don't really need to do this. But he ended up doing it because the story was great. And I I honestly would say Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Um, But I love Bob Odenkirk. And again, if Bob Odenkirk wasn't in this movie, and if it was some other older action star or older somebody, I don't think it would have the draw it it, it does. And it's like Liam Neeson with Taken. Like... Taken worked because of Liam Neeson wasn't really known as that action action star, and he did Taken and then became an action star, and he's done some really bad movies because of that. But because it isn't an action star in this movie, I think it's going to be better than it should be. No, that that looks absolutely dope. Like <laughs> Chris, watch fantastic. Watch it again with all the dialogue and the music yeah, and I, stuff. I, I it's put it on, so put it good. On mute because yeah. I, I still want to listen to you guys. But yeah, that looks that looks cool. <laughs> Liam Neeson, Rob Roy. That's all I got. Rob oh Roy. Rob Roy is so boring. 
The only the only good thing is that weird sword fight with the slightly effeminate Tim Roth. And even then it's not that great and Tim Roth just gets killed like a like a bitch. So like <laughs> anyways. So those are the movies, TV shows and streaming stuff that we're looking forward to. So comic books? Yeah. We are a comic book podcast. Yeah. I am looking forward to this uh, publishing initiative that we already talked about, and that's why I picked it for the dramatic reading spoilers. Star Wars, The High Republic. I mean, <coughs> I just want to see what they do outside the Star Wars or the Skywalker legacy. Like, I love Star Wars. It's, you know, it's a thing. Like, I played the Knights of the Old Republic series. I built my own lightsaber. It's like the first thing that I think I posted to the website that we had was like how excited I was for uh, you know Star Wars to keep going. So <coughs> I already purchased the video game or the uh, comic book series. I purchased the book. I'm looking forward to reading the book and anything that comes up in this uh, weird Marvel Star Wars saga that's coming. Up. No, um, this is one of the things that I'm. <laughs> really looking forward to it as well because comic books are a lot more accessible to me than something like an actual like word book or novel because mm-hmm. I can download an issue because it's like oh we'll talk about it for the show or I can download a couple and just treat it as a thing that I'm going to do on my like day off <laughs> there's enough here that I want to read and get into that this is like what I'm most looking forward to too because it's not just that comic book but it's also like that springboard into like the bigger publishing imprint as well and it's not the Star Wars stuff now doesn't feel there's comic books there's novels there's movies and they're not all and TV shows they're not all tied together. And now it feels like things that are going to happen in the comic book or things that they say are happening in the comic book are going to touch base with what's happening in shows or what's happening in movies. Because we've seen that with Mandalorian. Like, things that happened in novelizations of movies with characters that we didn't know existed turned up in this. Boba Fett's back. Like, all these different things... Like, yeah, I can understand why reading the comic books are going to help you with what you're watching, with what's going on in your Star Wars, what in the Star Wars universe. John, what's your comic book series? It's, it, it wasn't going to be, but because of the last two weeks, it is the future shock stuff. Or the future state, I'm sorry, from DC. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to read almost everything that I kind of look at in this that I'm like, I'm okay, let's see what they're going to do. <clears throat> and the fact that this isn't going to be what the entire DC universe is going to be, that it is just kind of its own thing, that maybe people will pull stuff from here or there, maybe it'll stay in continuity, maybe it won't. I'm interested in seeing where some of these things are going to go. 
because I want to be a superhero comic book reader again. And I think this is something that we we all say every year that we want these things back and we haven't been that for years. Yeah, I'm really excited that for this week for the list we all pick something from like Future State because it's all characters or like titles that would just be on our kind of normal pickup list anyways. Like I'm reading a Robin book, Johnny picked like a Batman book, Paul you picked a Wonder Woman book. Like that would be kind of our random like, oh it's an off week, I don't have anything to pick. I'm gonna pick the book. But the fact that they're doing something a little bit different, I think, is kind of a little bit more invigorating. Um, because I was between picking Robin Eternal or, like, a Green Lantern book. And I'm still going to pick up both of them. I'm still probably going to put both of them on our, like, doc for January 21 uh, look back. Because I think it's going to be something that's worth checking out. My new, uh, I just got one of those rubber wedding ring things. And uh, Mm -hmm. I, I picked... It's called, like, Legendary... It's in the Legendary series uh, Loch Ness, but I picked it because it's, like, an emerald green... It looks like a Green Lantern ring to me. So I was like, I'm picking that one, because I love Green Lantern. The silicone. Yeah, the silicone rings. The uh, silicone yeah. rings that are non-conductive. You know, they're supposed to... In case you're looking with, looking with electricity, and uh, you won't need to have your finger cut off if it's connected to Yes. Because they can just cut off. Uh, but yeah, they're nice. But I picked it because it's it's Green Lantern, and I saw like this the Future State Green Lantern book. Like that was also a thought to pick because I was like, I would like to see this. So spinning out of those comic books that we're looking forward to, or any other comic book that we'll be looking forward to reading over the next year, we always do our breakout characters too. Um, do you guys has? Sorry, do you guys have one that's kind of like speaking to you, Paul? I think Batgirl needs a breakout <coughs> comic book series again. They've tried to bring back Barbara Gordon, and it's maybe it's just me, but I found that like kind of middling. And now they brought back um, Cassandra Kane in the books, like you know, wearing the symbol of the bat suit again. Uh, just recently, I really feel like in the comic books they gotta get people excited about Batgirl. I think she's primed for her moment. Yeah, I can. I don't know which one, but I can see that. I think it's uh, my pick is from what I've read and heard. They're supposed to be bringing back Wally West, and if they're gonna do it this year, like. I just want it. Like, Wally West, he's all of our Flash. Like, he's that character. Like, we all love him. We, we, as comic book fans, grew with him and read his stories, and he just nails it. <laughs> he, he was the Flash longer than Barry Allen was the Flash in comic books. And they keep teasing that they're going to do something great with him, and then they consistently don't. So, He's the... They set him up as the murderer from 
identity crisis. Or, not identity What was it called? Crisis? Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in and then they're like, oh, we're going to bring them back this way. We're going to bring them this way. From what I hear and what I read, you're going to get a good Wally West this year. That's all I want. I want Wally West back as my Flash. Because I I don't like the Barry that we've gotten in the comic books. No. I agree with that. Um, my pick is actually going to be one of those kind of perennial nerd favorites. And I think we've learned more about this character over the past five years than fanboys would probably want to have learned. Um, And that's actually going to be Luke Skywalker. Because we were kind of left with Luke after the original trilogy. And then in 2016, we got The Force Awakens teasing like that. What happened to Luke Skywalker? He became this mythological, like, legendary person. Disappeared from the universe. Where did he go? And then it was kind of left with that, like... But what what did Luke become? And then a couple years later, we got a little bit of that answer in Last Jedi. And then we got some more answers. That's a Star Wars movie. That is a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I'm bringing it all back, baby. I'm bringing it all back. Just you wait. Best Star Wars movie. Uh, and then we got like the closing of that chapter in Rise of Skywalker. But in the midst of all that, we've actually been getting the canon Star Wars comic books from over in Marvel Comics. That's just kind of outlining what happened to Luke after that original trilogy, leading up to him trying to learn more about the Jedi and the Force in the lead up to where we do see him come back in Force Awakens. And then this past season in The Mandalorian, we got to see Luke return in a big way in the finale, which is also setting up where we see him come back in like the sequel trilogy that we got four years ago now. But it's the learning about that character that we all thought we knew so well, just based off those movies from four years ago, I think is really interesting because there's so much more to chase down and learn about him in that kind of period of growth where he is pretty much like the last Jedi that's trying to teach himself and learn about the Order so he can then teach other people. And it's just seeing him in that rise to power, but then also that kind of pride before the fall that we got to see in Mandalorian. I think it's a really interesting time to be a Star Wars fan just with everything that we're getting but also just to be a fan to see Luke Skywalker's like final story like all those steps that led him along that path I'll be seeing the kid um yeah they Star Wars or Lucasfilm did announce their actual like timeline and they said hey this is the events that are happening during the High Republic this, and, and they named all the different eras, uh, just so we have names again. I, I, yeah, I, w- I would like to see more Skywalker or Luke Skywalker stories. I feel like Star Wars comic books that are coming out now keep on going back to him. Like he's, I was promised he's Star that. Wars. He, he, yeah, he is. He is. He's the Star Wars. He is a Star Wars. There's more Star Wars. 
and that's why I feel like Chris and I, my, my picks, you know, with my excitement for uh, the High Republic and your pick here, are kind of like, like diametrically opposed. I, I and I, I'm excited <coughs> to see what they do with Luke, Luke Skywalker, but not as much as I'm excited to see what they do with Star Wars without Luke Skywalker. And I, I appreciate your pick, Chris. I'm not. Hey. I'm saying two separate segments because that was comic books, and now we're talking about characters. So, yeah, yeah. okay, all right, all right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will se- segment it as well in my own time. <coughs> uh, and now, I mean, to finish it up, because we are, as much as we are a comic book pop culture podcast, we are a craft beer podcast. Our beer year, our New beers resolutions. New beers there we resolution. go. <laughs> Thank you. I said it right in the beginning. Chris or John, do you want to start it? Because John, this is I, your thing. This is your baby. I don't know about that, but uh, I think it's something we all agreed on up for this. But I think yeah, but you brought it to the table. You birthed it. We said, oh. I think it's something that Paul, you and I say just about every year, and that is supporting our local breweries. And I think at this point in time, the local guys need it more than ever because of everything that's going on. Most of the breweries, if they're not supplying two stores, it's a you have to go to the brewery to buy it and they're only selling their beer. They might be depending in their area right now. If you're not in the orange, like you can only buy beer or buy food to go right now is your time to support breweries. And I mean, unlike, unlike you guys, I have the ability to support breweries by bringing beers into my store and, and helping to sell them. And I do that, uh, wholeheartedly. I have two. I have, I have three big local beer sections where I support those guys, but also getting out there and buying from the breweries, getting beer from them. Chris, you support your local guys wholeheartedly. Uh, most of the times when we're talking to you, you're going to Sidewards, you're going to um, that one that's like also a church. <laughs> I can't think of the name, but like uh, Castle Church, Castle Church. Like you are one of those people that through the pandemic have been super supporting your local breweries, Chris or Paul, you go into 42 North and, and doing that. Like they just need that continuous support and however you can do it. If it's going to the breweries, buying it, if it's buying the beer, even at a, a store where it's being sold, if it's in my way of bringing in as much as I can to support them, where it makes reason for my store. I'm not just bringing in beer and sitting in the back, but supporting them as much as I can to, to showcase their beer. Like your local breweries need it and they need that support as much as you can do for them. And it's just to continue to support them in this hard trying time. The new Holland clothes. If, uh, Ryan Hurst, from Cincinnati closes. Rein, uh, Rein, Reingeist. Reingeist. Yeah, Reingeist. Uh, Buda Brewery, if they close. 
down here. Did you ever go get those beers? Or... No. Because, uh. you know, I, it wasn't the worth the fight. <laughs> it was also holiday weekend and everything yeah. else going on. Like, um, yeah, and there's uh, some local brewery, 42, they close. Well, that's on me. You know. <laughs> But come on, support your look. Sideward closes. I'll be upset because, but Chris has been doing this. I've been trying to do my job. It's just a great place to go and have really good beers. I am upset that the Star Wars run has gone virtual because that's the one that I was like kind of hoping that I would be able to do. And they're already announced that they're going to retheme that mm. run, so it's not going to be the Star Wars or like Rivals weekend anymore. Like in twenty. Hey, it's so. two more months. It's going to be, it's going to be another year that Chris and I weren't allowed to get our, to build our lightsabers. I I know it's <laughs> it's rough times. Um, but Paul, are you ready to go about your New Year's uh, New Beers resolutions? Or it, it, you guys should know this is coming. Uh, I want to get more into the no alcohol slash low alcohol beers. Like it's, I think I picked that. Similar uh, pick back in 2019. Uh, 2020 New Year's resolution was to support local. Um, or no, like 2019, I think it was like dial in what I really liked about beer and like just buy that. Like find the beers that I really like and just like. Compare, compare everything to founders all day is what you did. Or no, I was trying to compare everything to every, you know, everything else. Like, hey, is this double IPA better than uh, Wrench or better than uh, what's the one from Two Roads? Um, too juicy. Yeah. Like, and I was really trying to hone in. Should I spend the money? This is like, hey, let's just get more into that locale, low ABV beer that I can drink without feeling guilty that I'm wasting my day because once I crack open a beer my day is kind of over because I will just keep on drinking and that's not a healthy habit or a healthy thing to do so you know maybe getting into low cal or no cal or no alcohol low alcohol beer would be healthy not that I am like every day cracking up into beer but there are some weeks where every day I come home and I'm like oh what's for dinner? Cool I'm going to grab a beer but then my dinner and then I'm going to have another two beers after you know between the time I have dinner and go to bed that's three beers in a night like maybe I should shout for that a little bit more so I will say that was like my new beers resolution last year was try to cut back and just drink for the show or if I go out to dinner. And I feel like I did really good about that. I just didn't foresee being stuck at home a <laughs> lot more. Um, but even right now, like, the only beer I have in the fridge was stuff that, Paul, you had sent me. Or it was things that I had bought for the show. Or, like, I still have a couple beers that I had picked up 
to have on Christmas Day. Like I have, I think, two or three more beers from Sideward that I just, I saved one of each just to have for the show for one of those weeks where it's like, oh, I need a beer for the show. Oh, I don't have time to go buy something before we record. Oh, I have this to kind of fall back on. Um, Because even then, like, the three, four packs that I bought, like, between Yanni and I, like, Christmas Day, like, we each drank, like, the orange cinnamon roll sour. We each drank one of the cinnamon roll stouts. Like, now I have, you know, two of each of those left to either enjoy or have on the show. Like, so I think it's kind of just not buying something to have in the fridge as that fridge filler. And then just being like, oh, I'm going to buy, you know, these four packs or these craft grown packs for the show and kind of just getting in the mind frame is like, no, I am drinking this for when I have that moment to sit down with, with my friends and talk about beer. And if I have like two or three extra ones, well, that's just for like that day that I get home from work or that day that I have off where I'm going to play World of Warcraft and I just really want to have a beer as I'm doing my daily quest. Like, oh, well, I still have three of these left to just kind of crack open. <laughs> and that's, that's what I kind of want to get to, Chris, is that kind of level of like, yeah, I might have beer in the fridge, but I don't need to drink it. And I felt like for this past whole year, like, there's a bit beer in the fridge, thank goodness, because I need to. And I kind of want to get back to, uh, not that. Yeah. I can understand that. <clears throat> I don't. I don't do it, but oh. I can understand that, Paul. Chris, what's your new beer's resolution? Uh, for me, mine kind of draws off of something that John had been talking about with his resolution, where it's like, I do love going to my local breweries to support them, and then also just try something new and different. Um, I sent you guys a post today from ellipsis brewing here in orlando where they're canning beers right now that they're going to put out this weekend because uh, coming up next week is actually orlando beer week where all the local or orlando beers uh brewers are going to be putting out like special stuff just kind of like have an event weekend um and ellipsis is putting out their weapon series where all the artwork on the cans is based off of a Ninja Turtle, but then each of the four styles of beers is something completely different. Which, again, like, as a nerd who likes beer, I think that's really exciting fun, and that gives me a reason to go to that brewery. But over this past year, one of the things that I've really enjoyed being able to do is not just go to those breweries for myself, just to, like, break up that monotony, and when I was in quarantine, get out of my apartment and just do something different and fun and support a local business, but also bring those beers home to share with you guys. And then like cracking open those other like four packs or six packs, sending beer to my mom, or I sent a box to my uncle for his birthday slash Christmas. And he left me a voicemail after he received it because shipping had been delayed for like a week on it. Cause shipping at Christmas time, you, you know, um, he was just so ecstatic that he not only got a package, but it was beers that he normally wouldn't be able to try 
because he's a craft beer nerd too. Like he has untapped. I can see what he's checking into and what he's drinking, what he likes. I want to start doing more of that with the other like friends that we have and super friends of the show. Like I want to reach out to like them on the DL or their significant others and be like, Hey, Christy, what's your guys's address? So I can send Keith a couple random beers because Keith's someone that I worked with years ago, but we're in constant contact. Him and his family come down to do like their annual Disney vacation. They were supposed to come down last year to go to the Halloween party. Their trip had to get canceled because of COVID. I would love to send Keith some beers that he can't get here because he loves drinking weird, random craft beers. And when the last time he came down, he was like, hey, is there any beer you want? Let me know. I'll bring it. Just the only thing I ask is just grab me some Florida beer. I got him a pack of highlight because I was like, hey, here you go. Like, enjoy. I want to do more of that for people. Just share what I can get that people might not be able to. Um, and that's something I can definitely do because, sorry, I can easily grab a four-pack, keep one for me, two for you guys, and then send that like other even can off to somebody else. And like, they're going to appreciate that. And I'm going to feel good because I get to share something I love with someone else that I love. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a great one. I mean, we love getting those care packages every year when we would come down to see you Our like we had to check bags because I would bring, <laughs> I'd bring so much beer for you. Like, yeah, it's, I don't like drinking on my own. And I think half of that is because we've done this podcast for 11 years. Or even before we did the podcast, Chris, you and I would be at Pizza Plant. Or we would get grab beers and we would sit and talk about what we'd like or what we don't like about these beers. That if I... I am definitely a social drinker. If I... As much as I do love drinking beer and trying new things that if I can't have a conversation over what I'm drinking, I kind of don't want to drink it. Like I want to talk about the flavors. I want to talk about PB and J. Like if Paul could be in this room with me, we would have shared this. I mean, Paul, how many beers have I just been like, I got this, let's have this. Like, yeah, it's, it's how I want to drink beers. I want to share them. And for you to be like, I want to share them, even if it is costing me $30 to send four beers to, to my friend in, you know, wherever in this country. Like, <laughs> it makes sense, especially when they can text you back and be like, hey, I really liked it. That was really great. Or that sour was really good. Or the other day when we were all on a big Skype call with our other friends playing games online, like, the three of us had uh, the, the 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 key lime it's the key lime so cherry. Tart. It, it it was very tired. Um, but yeah, I I a hundred percent can understand wanting to do that. And I want to get back to that instead of just not wanting to have the conversation that's running in my own head. You know, and that's why I'm bringing. It's because I want to shut up. <coughs> conversations that I'm having with no well 
Paul, you can always be like, hey, I'm going to have this beer on Tuesday, and we can sit down and have that beer on Skype. Mm-hmm. Why we're still using I Skype, I don't know. Well, what else are we going to use? We all have it. It's easy to use. <laughs> it's I, thing. I hear that. If you want to suggest something else, Jim, I don't know. Go I, don't, I know there's a, billion, a million other ones now because of that, but I want to float. I want to see myself... I want to see myself. I want to see myself besides in that corner because I'm damn good looking. Uh, But if you have some new beer resolutions, if you have movies or TV shows that you are looking forward to coming out this year, and comic books or whatever the hell else we talked about in this podcast, let us know. Find us on Facebook. Chris is going to put some great posts up on Instagram and wherever else he does them because he's he's on top of that. And I'm not that on top of it. I apologize for missing out on posts and like the list posts because holidays are rough for me again. I work two two jobs, both of them retail, uh, and then also this like past week I've been sick, which sucks. Uh, yeah, uh, but let us know over on those. We love hearing from you guys. Hey, it's been a while since a rate and a review. Come on, you can do better. I. I do love checking the analytics and seeing though like people are downloading it, not just in America but like other countries too. That's really cool. If you're in one of our international markets because people are downloading it, let us know why because that's really cool and interesting. So, what are you getting out of listening to the Begging Boardcast that that you're not getting out of like your home entertainment? Because why? <laughs> If you're learning English from this, I'm sorry that you're so damn. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to keep falling back on the word pegging now. 